I'm down for consensual gnoming. Welcome to Indecorous Podcast. Indecorous means not in good taste. 9-11 was a gender reveal. <laughs> Indecent. Bunch of lunatics with morbid senses of humor. Immoral. You don't have the money to bulldoze this building? Just draw Muhammad all over the place. <laughs> Somebody will blow that shit up. Shameless. I let my bush grow because it's kind of one of those locks for love type of situations. Impolite. People always shit fingering, but I'm like, you know what? My finger is always hard. I don't get whiskey fingers. And beyond the pale. What you wearing down on your toes? Happy New Year, you guys. I think that's the first one we record after the New Year. How did you guys celebrate? Dude, I got some New Year's resolutions going. My New Year's resolution was to fat shame the wife. So, Oh, nice. Is your she, second resolution to get a divorce? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not as nefarious as you might think. It's been my long-running goal to get her last vanity pound off of her. It's been your goal? <laughs> <laughs> she's, like, she's like 115 soaking wet, so she's almost perfect but she feels like she's got this vanity weight on her that i fucking can't see for the life of me but she uses it as an excuse to not let me make my sex tapes and the clock is ticking we're both getting older (laughs) i'm just like if i'm gonna get a three-way or a sex tape it's got to happen like now otherwise what good is it so i'm trying to fat shame her a little bit and also to distract from the fact that i'm balding so there you go what is the so what do you mean by vanity weight well some girls think that they're fat but you look at them you're like you're you're not fat this is not like the definition of fat. Well, this is like literally skip a meal one day and you get that like tiny little bit off. And Ian looks at those girls and goes, yeah, you got a little bit of work to do. <laughs> I'm judgmental is what Bobby's trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is true with women in general that they owe, and at least the way I've always seen it. They think they're, oh, I'm so fat or I gained so much weight. I need to lose weight. I'm, I rarely really see it. And I'm not just saying that to... Because you're hammered. Be complimentary. Yeah, yeah. But I don't, I don't see it. I mean, most of the time when a woman's like, "Oh, I gotta, I gotta lose weight," or I've put on weight, I'm like, eh. "It's possibly the beer goggles too, Carlos." I hear they work quite well. That's true. I mean, that could be true too. I mean, and also, hey. I'm not, I'm not really into skinny chicks either. So that is where you and Ian differ, my friend. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I'm not gonna reject somebody because they're skinny, but it's not it's something that. I'd rather have some uh, meat on the bone. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, it sounded like for a minute there, like, that's how you downplay it. Like, look, I, I'm going to go with whatever my options are, basically. Oh, I yeah. Well, that's the other thing, too, is that I, it's not like I can be picky about shit either. Yeah. It's like beggars can't be choosers. So it's not like I'm going to be like, nah, you're, I'm not going to put a scale right in front of them. Like, all right, let me see if yeah, you're like- worthy of me. It's like, hey, listen, only big girls are attracted to me. Therefore, I am not into skinny women. Welcome to episode 71 of Indecorous Comedy. This is episode 21 of season two. Indecorous Comedy is a reprehensively distinguished educational comedy podcast, either the smartest lowbrow or dirtiest highbrow podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Carlos Valencia. Over here, we have Bobby D. Yo. And over there, we have Ian. What's up? Today, we're going to be answering listener questions, talking about Indecorous news. We'll be diving deep into Indecorous facts from the Victorian era. And we'll close it all out with Indecorous state laws. This week, we're doing Nevada. But before we get into any of that, let's welcome our guest today, Matt Alana Martin, everybody. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. I don't know what Indecorous means. Should I have researched? No, nobody does, man. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ian is the one that came up with the name. So I blame Ian. 
It's a good name. It's just you used it a lot in the intro. It made me think there might be an actual meaning to the word. <laughs> no, it's yeah. all made up. Oh, okay. Now, yeah. Guests that know the meaning get a prize, but I guess okay. you, you missed out. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, I actually, it's like, I knew this word and I thought it was common enough, but apparently no, it's not. So now actually, when the episode actually airs, our intro is basically defining the word indecorous. Ah, Nice. Which I honestly we don't care as much that people don't know what it means as much as nobody knows how to spell it either. So hard to Google. That doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It means pro pedophilia. So <laughs> since you don't know that definition, <laughs> yeah. going into it, yeah. Ah, well, I should have read the fine print uh, <laughs> yeah. before I agreed to this. Uh, You're good. Yeah. You're good. You're, it's all right. Nobody listens to this shit anyway. <laughs> All right, we're going to start out the podcast with questions. We always like to open the show with questions sent from our millions of listeners around the world. We accept all questions sent to us, but we rarely have an answer for any of them. Now, the first question here actually is not, it's something that a lot of people have asked me, is where do I send questions? Which is <laughs> something I should have pointed out when we first started doing this segment. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> mostly people have been hitting me up on Facebook but you can, you know, if you want to send a question, you can hit us up at our email, indecorouscomedy at gmail.com. How do you spell indecorous, Bobby? That's I-N-D-E-C-O-R-O-U-S. I-N-D-E-C-O-R-O-U-S. Comedy at gmail.com. Or you can hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or whatever our social media handles. Well, you, so that's how you send questions. Uh, I got, that's the answer to that question. Now, our first user submitted question. By the way, these are open for anybody to answer, anybody on the show. This one comes from Wink. He is asking, what is the difference between an ironic mustache and a real mustache? Huh. One would be good for the ladies to get the mustache ride from, and one they would probably just laugh at you. Well, which one's which? You have to be more specific, Ian. Well, I think the ironic one probably won't get you the mustache ride. It'll get you more of the high-five friend zone. You look pretty cool there, buddy. And then mm -hmm. if you want to be Rico Suave, then you have to... Take that shit more serious, I guess. I feel like it's an age thing. I mean, if you're pretty much under 40 now and you have a mustache, you're going the ironic route. You're trying to hook up with some hipster chicks or whatever. That's how it kind of comes across to me. Uh, yeah, I have a hard time taking seriously young people with mustaches. I even saw it was because I was uh, the fantasy football league that I'm in. You can look at the players and there's one player, uh, Giovanni Bernard from Cincinnati, his picture... When you look at him, when you look at th through the players that you can pick up or whatever, he has a mustache and he looks like he was in like a black exploitation film. You know? <laughs> like that's how he looks like. And it's funny, but what do I know? Maybe this dude legit wants to have a mustache. It's just that it's you don't see that very often. Like how many how many black dudes do you guys know? Like famous black dudes, obviously don't have friends of yours, but that have a mustache, like seriously just have a mustache. First of all, I'd just like to point out that I like how you assume that none of us have black friends. Well, <laughs> just, <you know. laughs> like, clearly, none of you guys are going to know this on a personal yeah, level, but like yeah. famous black guys. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you do, it might be the same guy. You know what I'm saying? You know, all white yeah. people have the same black friend. Well, the, yeah. only, the only one that's coming to mind is Carl Winslow. You know, but I know you said no celebrities. Oh, that's right. Yeah, well, is he is he still around? Is he still alive? Yeah, yeah, he's alive. They uh, talked about him a number of times on Cumbtown for some reason. Really? Uh, well, wait, wait. Who, who who is it that we're talking about? The Carl Weathers? No, yeah, Carl. I mean, the yeah, guy that the guy that played Carl Winslow. So, uh, well, that's Val Johnson or something. I forget his. Uh, oh wait, first no. name. Oh yeah, yeah. Wait, I'm yeah. all I'm all confused because I was thinking Michael Winslow. No, Carl Winslow. <laughs> 
Yeah. Okay, so who's Carl? From Carl from Winslow? Family Matters fame, the uh, the cop dad. Oh. So Re- Reginald Jackson is the actor's name. Reginald, Val- isn't it Val Johnson? Val Johnson. Okay. Yeah. We were getting so close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No wonder that none of us have black friends. Right. Yeah, this <laughs> is a collaborative effort. <laughs> All right, so yeah, so he had a mustache. Yeah, I guess. He pull it, pull it off like a motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, and let's not forget, as, as Matt just said, uh, Carl Weathers, baby. I mean, that dude rocks yeah. a amazing stash. Yeah, Carl Weathers is is one of those people though that is almost like ironic. Like he is himself ironically now, almost now. Almost everything. Yeah, now. Yeah. I think I think an ironic mustache. You have to judge it by everything else that's going on on the person, because I think you could come across like a twenty five year old union dock worker guy and just because he's 25 that's an authentic mustache that is a culturally relevant to his profession and to his world mustache it's not done for irony i think you have to look at everything else in the picture before you can decide is there any how about this i don't know if this will help with the question or not but is there any practical reason to have a mustache uh <laughs> cover a lip scar <laughs> yeah yeah all right that's a that's a valid answer that's a valid answer i mean yeah cleft that... palate you know you can get some bush going yeah. around the sides of it i don't know yeah if you, if you have a weak chin so you're rocking the goatee and you want to kind of even it out and or maybe for cuntilingus i've heard nice things about you know it tickles the, the clitoris ladies love it cuntilingus cuntilingus yes you right, gotta throw cool. a hard t in there huh i'm, I, I'm trying to go hard t on that one baby <laughs> uh, i think also it catches any loose cocaine so you don't lose any of that <laughs> keeps it right there that's right yeah for later for later yeah of course yeah okay because yeah, a beard i can see people having beards just because they're lazy i mean that's the way it happens with me if i grow facial hair it's just because i i'm too lazy to shave every day but a mustache, that just doesn't just happen naturally. You have to yeah. shave your beard and keep the mustache. So that's why I'm saying, like, if even if, whoever has a mustache is doing it because they're trying to make some sort of, well, I don't know if fashion statement sounds a bit much, but you're doing it because you want to look a certain way. But that's true of anything. I mean, that's, again, I think some of them are perfectly fine, even if they're on a younger person, and then other ones are clearly, they're just part of the entire douchebag package. So <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think that, yeah, I think that's the answer, really. It's the, you can't just judge it by the mustache itself. You got to look at the entire context of the, of the person. All right, well, there, that's the answer to that one, Wink. Now, our second question comes from Anthony. He asks, why do human beings struggle with the impermanence of existence so much and what are good coping mechanisms for that oh so you're next talking question like the, so the, the grim specter of death basically you're saying like how do you cope with the fact that your own demise is going to happen in your lifetime so i'm guessing yeah that's the way i understood it i'm, a, I'm a, he's asking what first of all why do we care or why does it bother us so much that we're going to die and number two what is a good coping mechanism for that i would say I mean, I don't know if there's any way of teaching somebody to not give a fuck about dying, but that would be the best way of coping with the impermanence of existence is just being like, yeah, you're just here for a while. Yeah. Uh, enjoy it while you're here. Don't spend every day worrying about when it's going to end. Yeah. Yeah. I think the way that we can help cope with that is to just get off Twitter and get off social media. <laughs> like that'll help you chill out in general in a way that I think will then allow you to be more 
okay with your own mortality. Maybe just me. I don't know. Are you off of, because I know you told me you're off of uh, Facebook. Are you off of all of the social medias or just the Facebook? I, I deactivated my Twitter. And then the nice thing about Facebook deactivation is they want to keep their hooks in you so you can come back anytime, right? Mm. Uh, with Twitter, you have a month. And then it did occur to me, I am going to have an album to promote later on this year. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I can't, I can't let that go all the way. Like I did slowly build up, you know, a thousand something followers on Twitter. So I did reactivate it, but I did delete it off my phone and everything. And, and so I'm, I'm not going on it now. So circling back to part two of the question, Carlos, how do you cope with the inevitable demise everyone will face? I think you got to go with delusions, right? Whether it be the drugs, the various vices that fill up your life with simple pleasures to get you through or religion, you know, also see delusions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think that's what a lot of people do. I think that's what most people do, actually. They either fall on delusions of uh, whether it's religion or whatever, or, yeah, I mean, if you find comfort in drugs and uh, alcohol or whatever other vices. I mean, my, my thing is, like, I don't see anything wrong. Like, I, I almost like the, the vices path better than the religious path. Just because you're, it's kind of like um, Stanhope had that thing, like, I forget exactly what the quote was, but there's no addictions. It's just, there's things that you like doing better than life. And I kind of, <laughs> I, I kind of agree with that. Yeah. If, if what you like to do is drugs then fucking do the drugs, yeah, you're going to die uh, if you OD and all that. But I mean, fuck it. You, you enjoyed whatever time you had on, on the earth, even though you were fucking high all the time. Well, to be fair, though, I mean... You know, most people wouldn't be dying if they weren't taking adulterated street drugs, you know? <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. That's a, that's a, But, you know, that's another whole different subject. It's that they yeah, wouldn't true. be... If we had actual programs that dealt with this shit that have just treated them all like criminals, they wouldn't be... Yeah. I mean, those, you know, I would imagine most people that die, that overdose, don't want to. But it's not like they could look on the side of the container and see how many milligrams was right. in something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, think there's always true. it's if it's it's something it's drugs, alcohol, religion, media. Some people just love to consume, like they live for movies and music, and that's their whole thing. And all of that is just a great way to distract ourselves from uh, the inevitable reality. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that's and that's and actually this got brought to the forefront, especially last year with the pandemic, is how much the difference between essential workers and People that weren't essential, a lot of the people that lost their jobs or haven't been able to work are artists or, or people that create television, movies, all these things. And they're not essential. You know, they're not considered essential workers, obviously. But the thing is, they create the things that make you want to stay alive. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's like we're not artists aren't essential until you get to the point of like, oh, why do why is it that I want to stay alive? Oh, it's because of the things created by the people that aren't essential. It's, it's a, I don't know. I think it's ironic the way that shit works. Well, it's just how this country that, handles yeah, it. Yeah, it's all part of that like ecosystem. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, that's the answer to that question, Anthony. So we go into our third question. This is from Hans. Hans asks, what is your favorite latitude? Now, there's a very difficult question, at least to me, because I don't know very many latitudes except for the equator the Tropic of Cancer, and the Tropic of Capricorn. Yeah, you got to go Meridian, right? The, but which one's the Meridian? The, 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 that's the equator, right? I don't know. I don't that's know. That's the equator? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Man. I'm, I'm asking you, dude. 
<laughs> like what the prime? I've heard the term prime meridian, but I don't know what that means. To be honest, he wasn't expecting a follow up after saying prime meridian. Yeah. <laughs> uh, prime meridian is a meridian you can't cannot be divided. Uh, yeah. it's a, sorry. Oh, okay. That, only by itself and yeah. by one or something yes, like that. Exactly. Yeah. So did I? Did I? Hopefully that saved my dumb ass by making a stupid math joke. No, that's perfect. Yeah. No, you nailed it. So see, there you go. You got your answer. So how about you, Bobby? You got anything? I got nothing. I, you know, I, I was gonna say the one where Walt. Where the bodies were buried on Breaking Bad, but oh, uh, I couldn't even remember yeah. that. Yeah, that's yeah okay. That's a decent one. I mean, the latitude is still gonna you're still gonna need the longitude. For yeah, that one, but still, that's true. You're, you're closer than most of us are. Yeah, you I mean, you got to you know narrow narrow down a little. You're halfway there. Yeah, you know it's in New Mexico, so you just gotta just go in a straight line from east yeah. to west, and you'll gotta, hit it eventually. Got to kidnap Vince Gilligan and figure that shit out. Good answer. All right, how about you, Ian? So I'll interpret this question a little different. I think instead of it being like a literal question, I think he's more getting at, do you like to live up north or down south or where it's humid, where it's dry? Because latitude's uh, up and down, you know? So I think he's basically getting an idea of what kind of climate we like. And to me, I used to say living sort of in the middle is good until it started squeezing me on both sides to where there's no spring and there's no fall. It's just burning fucking hot or it's cold as death. And it kind of sucks right now. I'd almost rather live up north where you have the most shitty, miserable winters, but you get six months of like a mild summer or vice versa. Go down south where it's burning your balls off in the summer, but then you get six months of a mild winter where you can actually go outside. Here where we live in North Carolina, it's like you get the most unbearable summer and then the winter sucks balls because it's freezing and then you get spring for two weeks, fall for two weeks, and then just right back to being miserable. So Yeah, I think, I mean... I like the way you took this question to begin with, because like, you kind of generalize it between North and South. But I think it's very telling that the middle for you is just the United States. Because oh, I yeah. was like, because the real middle <laughs> is the equator. But you're like, nah, the United States, who gives a fuck about the rest of the world? This is well, where... some of us didn't well, grow up in Colombia, Carlos. <laughs> well, some so, of us grew up in the entire world, man. <laughs> assuming that is how he meant the question, I don't know why he had to phrase it like somebody that would wear an ironic mustache. All right, we're going to move on to our second segment of the podcast. This is Indecorous News. This is the segment where we highlight the most important news happening across the United States and all over the world. After you listen to this segment, you will never have to listen to another newscast ever again in your entire life. Ian, you can start us off with this first story. All right, the headline is, Parents must pay son back after purging porn trove a couple must pay their 42 year old son back after destroying the son's extensive pornography and sex toy collection according to a federal judge paul and beth working of grand haven michigan were sued by their son david working after they destroyed his collection of dvds vhs tapes and other pornographic materials in 2018 the son originally estimated the value of his porn collection to be $28,940.72. But upon not receiving reimbursement, seeking as much as $86,822.16. Yeah, that's how much he seeks once they weren't paid the $28,940.72. Like anytime we have a, a story like this, I'm always like, how the fuck did you get that specific? Yeah. Like, is how it do you know? It's one of those situations where the insurance companies insured it for way more than it's worth and they were overly optimistic in the collectability of some of these fucking dusty DVDs. 
Dude, if this guy had his porn collection insured. <laughs> he had to get like yeah. scheduled personal property for it. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say, though, I mean, even if we're talking like back in the day, he's paying like $60 at some off-ramp porn shack for one of these. I mean, that's still more than a room's full of pornography. That is, that is an excessive amount of pornography. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those where it's like, okay, it's clearly way too much. But then because it's so much, then, all right, maybe this guy is entitled to some compensation for his parents throwing it all away. I mean, there's got to be some first edition equivalent in porn for the, the physical media, right? I mean, there's collectible yeah, DVDs these, and stuff out there, so. A lot of these were mint condition DVDs. <laughs> yeah, he didn't even watch them. He was just, he was just a collector, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he had him in a glass case. Nobody ever yeah. touched him and shit. <laughs> they did poop on the case, but nobody touched what well, was inside. Yeah, 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 but then it's even more valuable at that point. Yeah. <laughs> According to emails between the father and son, the collection of items included 12 moving boxes, quote, full of pornography plus two boxes of sex toys. David working included an itemized list of the destroyed property, including... 1,605 individual titles of pornographic DVDs and VHS tapes. Workin was apparently kicked out of Indiana Wesleyan University as a freshman after being caught distributing pornography, according to his father. This guy was into just, like, not only collecting it, but he was fucking sharing. sharing. Yeah. So he was, <laughs> he, had a, he had a porno video store, basically, is what this reads like. It kind of does. I mean, well, I don't know if he had a store, but he was... If he was sharing it, he was just passing it around, like a good Samaritan type of thing. He the was in this, the business. Yeah. It sounds it sounds like he was selling it. That's why he's pissed. Uh, I mean, you yeah, know. maybe, maybe. So he moved in with his parents in Grand Haven Township in October of 2016 after he was divorced. It's fucking. Can you believe it? This guy's divorced. A surprise. <laughs> yeah, no he just wouldn't yeah. give up the pornography room in the house. <laughs> yeah, that's right. In lieu of paying rent, working did household chores, according to the lawsuit, when he moved out of his parents' house at the, quote, request of local enforcement in August 2017, working left behind some belongings. A few months later, he asked for those belongings back, unwilling to transport the pornographic material to working's new residence in Muncie, Indiana, and uncomfortable with the material in their home, working's parents destroyed the DVDs, VHS tapes, and a variety of other belongings. <laughs> so I have I, questions. At, at uh -huh. some point, this guy cataloged 1600 titles of these porno videos because mm -hmm. once they were destroyed he was like wait i know, I know the list of all, all of them i've got them yeah, right here I've got so he receipts. actually committed them to memory or wrote them down or something like that what kind of serial killer is this uh, yeah i'm assuming when your porn collection gets this huge you're keeping like excel spreadsheets and shit <laughs> yeah you have to well this is yeah that's the only way you got to keep inventory this is the first time in my life I've ever heard of somebody having to move out of their parents' house at the request of local law enforcement. What the fuck? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> well, I mean, how many people do you know that have this huge of a porn collection? I mean, I can see how the law enforcement had to get involved. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I, or I, I thought it meant that, like, their parents tried to make him leave and he wouldn't leave. And so they had to call the cops to be like, no, dude, your parents are kicking you out of the house. I do think it's amazing because I think... You know, it's not unusual for parents to find some porn under their son's bed, but how many parents find a bed hidden underneath all their son's porn? Yeah, it's just <laughs> made out of the boxes. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, oh my God, there's a bed under here. Yeah, that's right. I, mean, I don't know how they even fucking opened the door to get into that room. Uh, all right. Uh, oh, here you go, Matt. You can do this 
next paragraph there. These next things. All right. In an email to his father submitted as an exhibit in the lawsuit, working suggests various websites for his father to watch pornography saying, I know you need it with mom around. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> All right. Uh, meanwhile, for me, there are college girls out there waiting to be made into women. Ugh. Ugh. Working wrote from Muncie, Indiana, home to Ball State University, alma mater of David Letterman. By the oh, way. yeah. Uh, yeah. In the email, Working also asked for his parents to return his music CDs, a tambourine, a record player, his wedding rings, an art bag, some wall art, video games, and one long container of smutty magazines. So smutty magazines are outside of the porn collection. (laughs) I guess so. It stands apart. You know, smutty magazines like Home and Garden, uh, you know. Well, he gets those for the articles, really. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's, yeah, again, is there any wonder this guy is divorced? I'm I'm more surprised anybody actually married this guy at any point. I I just, I can't believe, I mean, that too, but I also just can't believe he let it get to the point where... They threatened to call the cops, and then he just let them go through with it like there wasn't going to be a news article about it one day, read on a podcast. <laughs> well, the, and the, I read a little bit more about this than the parents, because the guy was like, hey, you guys you need to send me that porn. Like, he, he really needed it. <laughs> but the thing was that the parents actually thought there might be some illegal shit in there. Like, uh, like uh, yeah, like maybe child porn or like uh, animal sex porn and shit like that. So, like, Naughty. they were afraid to cross state lines with this shit. Cause <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I don't, I don't fault the parents at all because, first of all, he should have took his shit with him when he moved out slash was removed by the police. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure. Absolutely. I mean, if this, if this shit means that much to you, then fucking take it with you. Like, if you have a shitload of uh, valuable, like actual valuable shit, you're not just going to leave it behind. What could possibly be? Okay. Like, I don't think there is such a thing as valuable physical editions of porn because uh, i recently like had an older family member pass away and they had every playboy for like the last 40 years or something didn't have like the first one or whatever but had like a bunch of super old ones like into the 60s and stuff and we all thought oh these might be worth some money they weren't worth shit <laughs> like like, yeah. <laughs> like we got found like an antique dealer would to buy all of them for a little bit of money but we kept thinking like oh well maybe this issue is worth something because it has this person on the cover no like even that which is like the most famous smutty magazine of all time yeah yeah you have to have like the Marilyn Monroe issue and that's it. Yeah. And it's probably got to be like the Marilyn Monroe, con- like in mint condition too. Right. Yeah. I think for porn DVDs, the most valuable ones got to be the Tracy Lord one where she was like 16 or 17, right? Because at the time they shot it and produced it, they thought she was of legal age. And it turns out after the fact, they found out she was like a high schooler. So then the whole thing was blacklisted. They burned all the DVDs in circulation or whatever. So if you got one of those, it's like considered very rare. So that's that's the excuse that you're using when you get caught. Yeah, and all these others might be a collector item one day too. You never know when they might find hey. out that these people were underage. Hey, listen, believe all women, right? hey here's the craziest thing about that tracy lord story is that they have since figured out that what actually happened is she had the benjamin button disease (laughs) she actually was legal age when they shot it then she wasn't wow holy shit plot twist now you've had and you've had a storage unit before ian i mean that, that's because that's the route you got to go with this but then imagine you're just getting something out of your storage unit and you see somebody moving in their trove of por- just bins of pornography <laughs> that's the <laughs> guy gotta, i'm being friends with <laughs> you got to pay your yeah. porn storage bill every month yeah because this guy does sound like the type of guy that would label the outside of the box pornography 
<laughs> but well, I'd break it down into category too. Yeah, right? right, right, exactly. All right, Bobby, you can do this next paragraph there. The parents' attorney, Ann Vanderbrook, said she requested a production of documents from the son's attorney to help determine the costs of damages in the case. Vanderbrook said she's hired pornography expert Victoria Hartman. <laughs> like, self-appointed or what? I don't know, but that's the pornography <laughs> expert. All right. No, I think the she's, executive got a, director, she's got a doctorate. Uh, yeah, MD, or whatever, um, PhD. The executive director of the Erotic Heritage Museum in Las Vegas to help determine those damages. That is a thing. I mean, I commend her for that. I mean, she's taking the L and be like, hey, we lost this thing, but at least I'm going to get an expert to actually get the real value of what this shit is. And if they <laughs> if they were going to be honest, it's probably, I mean, again, it's like everything. It's like every single auction you ever have. It, anything is only as valuable as what somebody's willing to pay for it. And I can't imagine there's a whole lot of people that are like, oh, shit, I really need to fucking buy this point especially now when you can get like most of it for free on the internet yeah dude it's gotta be yeah. people in like rural areas without access to the internet so maybe this guy had some wholesome reasons behind all of his insanity like he was collecting these hordes of porn videos to just distribute them to underprivileged children without internet who knows the Amish yeah. children have to learn somehow <laughs> yeah <laughs> like he just wanted all the boxes so he could donate it to the salvation army or some shit yeah. <laughs> all right it is interesting. I mean, his parents are in Michigan, so maybe they didn't know this, but the Kinsey Institute of Human Sexuality is here in Bloomington, Indiana at IU. It's like one of the world's foremost authority on sexuality. and They have a huge pornography collection and stuff like that for academic no reasons. But they probably wouldn't go to be someone's, like they probably wouldn't be experts in a legal case. I'm sure IU wouldn't let them do that. Well, they could have donated that to their... Uh... They could have done, yeah. Because like I have a friend who's a curator there that does sort of their traveling art exhibits and stuff uh -huh. and she's talking about like they do like sometimes have to go and go look through people's collections that they want to donate to see if anything there's anything culturally significant that they need to collect wouldn't that be the ultimate twist to this shit like the guy is actually pissed because that was his plan was to donate it for collegiate research and shit <laughs> i think we all know that's not the case <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i'm pretty sure <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to move on to our second story. The headline is UK Bar is posing as a church to get around pandemic rules. Life hack. That's true. Yeah. The newly christened Church of 400 Rabbits, formerly just 400 Rabbits, is an Aztec-themed bar with an extensive tequila menu and a pending application to Nottingham's Register General to become a place of worship. The reason this five-year-old establishment is now hoping to mix spirituality with spirits is that it spotted a loophole in England's COVID-19 rules, which means that if you're a place of worship, then people from the same household or bubble can enter your premises. I wonder what bubble means. Is that people you work with, maybe? It's people that you are going to be around anyway, but not in a social situation? I don't know. Yeah, maybe your roommates count as bubble? I don't yeah, that's probably, that's probably it. Yeah. This is like kind of a double win, though, because then they not only get to have customers, but they also don't have to pay taxes on that money. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's the way it works in England, too. But if that is, then yeah, fuck yeah. Surprise, more bars aren't trying to do this shit. I, I've... I've said this for a while with like, you know, all these churches that are refusing to follow COVID rules that like, I don't really. All right, fine. If you guys want to stay open, stay open. But if one of your followers or one of the people that went to the church gets COVID, then you have to shut your whole thing down because obviously your God ain't worth shit. 
<laughs> yeah, if you're, I'm assuming you're going in there to pray for everybody's health, and if one of you gets it, well, I mean, sounds like you're not praying to the right God to me. Yeah, they'll do the whole thing like that one was God's will, the one that died. But we're gonna pray harder this time. <laughs> yeah, and then that's we're right. gonna turn the tides. Yep. All right, Bobby, you can do this next one. Having posted off an application to certify a place of meeting for religious worship under the Places of Worship Registration Act of 1855, the bar is now seeking congregants through its website. Becoming a bunny believer is free and gets you a certificate, while a £10, $13 contribution means you're ordained as a reverend of the righteous rabbits with a complimentary t-shirt as your official robe. I almost want to join this shit just for the shirt. Dude, it almost sounds like it could spiral into a real religion. I mean, it's got just as much of a shot as Scientology or any of these other New Age bullshit ones. Well, that's the thing with a lot of these religions. They start off as complete horseshit, but if it catches on, then cut to a thousand years later, people are killing each other over this shit. <laughs> yeah. Or in Scientology's case, like 50 years later. Yeah, yeah, basically, if you fucking put it on, on steroids. Not to mention, it's probably a pretty cool t-shirt, and $13 isn't bad. Well, I mean, I just like the Reverend of the Righteous Rabbit. I know you hate <laughs> alliteration, Bobby, but I like that name, Reverend Rolls of the, the Righteous Rabbit. Yeah. yeah. I, I this is the only alliteration I like now. Uh, all right. Owner James Aspel isn't hopeful that Nottingham's powers that be will look beneficently on his bar's application, but says it's a tongue-in-cheek effort to shine a light on the ridiculousness of the government's new tier system and how contradictory the rules are. So you guys, they're not really trying to pull a scam here. They're just trying to show the government the error of their ways. Yeah, so just, sure. So just like the Satanists that often do this to kind of troll the religious right and the politicians to say, look at the hypocrisy of the separation of church and state. Fuck you guys. We're going to do it too. So these guys are fighting the good fight to show everyone's bullshit, basically. I don't mind it. I really enjoyed it when the Satanists were trying to get their... Uh, what is that? Ba Baphomet? Is that what it's called? Yeah, dude. That, they, the they're trying to, dude. Yeah, they're trying to get that devil statue. Like, all right, you can have the Ten Commandments, but yeah, here, here's a fucking devil right next to it. I'm like, all right, fuck it. That's it. Yeah. If you can get yours, then we should be able to get ours. I agree. I think it's brilliant. Well, it's also a smart way to get your name in the news, too, so that when restrictions are loosened, maybe people will remember that name. Oh, yeah, for sure. I wish, I mean, I, I don't know how much of a pain in the ass it would be to actually try to apply for all these registrations and shit, but I wish every single bar tried to do this. Every single yeah. one of them is going to become a religious establishment now. Right, Ian, you can close it out. All right. Even if we move down into tier two, we wouldn't be able to open without serving a substantial meal, he adds, pointing to the whole, quote, scotch egg fiasco, which has played out in UK media this week. You guys know what that is? Of course. Yeah. All right, Bobby, tell us what the Scotch Egg fiasco is. Oh, no, I, I should have said, of course not. I was uh, being sarcastic. <laughs> it sounds yeah. like a fun drink, though. I mean, it sounds kind of yeah. like a little little hipster drink you could get, maybe. Is that like this... Lupe Fiasco's brother? <laughs> it actually, it sounds like an alternative band from the 90s, the Scotch Egg fiasco. Yeah. <laughs> it actually, I looked this up, and apparently it's one of those deals. Actually, they have that here in... In North Carolina, where a lot of bars that serve food were able to open for a while, and I think they still are, but bars that just serve straight up alcohol were not. Oh, yeah. 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 But so in England, or I guess the UK, they were saying that you have to serve a substantial meal. That's the terminology that they use. Oh. So apparently it became a thing. Well, so if you serve scotch eggs, is that a substantial meal? And there was a whole debate. It's like some people were like, no, that's just an appetizer. And then some people were like, no, it's a substantial meal. So it, it all became a thing. Oh, yeah. What, and yeah. I, to be honest with you, I don't even know what, what is a scotch egg. 
It's like a egg that's been, uh, it's sort of not completely hard boiled, but kind of hard boiled and it's like breaded. It's in like this thick sort of bread. It is a heavy appetizer. Huh. They're delicious. Well, oh, but, that sounds good. But they're incredibly rich. Yeah. But Matt, the question is, is it a substantial meal? It's. Uh, I mean, if it's the only thing you ate, wouldn't that make it a meal? <laughs> hmm. It's substantial. Uh, depending on the size of your frame and uh, <laughs> yes. stomach, sure. <laughs> See, so this is again, this is all these fucking things that people run into with all the when they try to pass these laws of uh, you know, the COVID laws. Well, just laws in general, to be honest with you. But yeah, it's like okay, so you can open uh, some places can. I that's why I'm like, because I'm uh, I'm in favor of the restrictions. Let's try to fucking be responsible about this shit. But I also can see how some people are angry at the restrictions when it seems like sometimes they're so arbitrary. Right, no. Going back to our listener question from earlier about the inevitable death and delusion topic, I think that religion and bars and getting inebriated, they fall under the same bucket of this is a coping mechanism, sort of a delusion to kind of cope with reality. So I think they should be regulated the same way. I mean, yeah, that's a point. I mean, it's like some people worship alcohol, just like some people worship God. That's their God is fucking... Going to the bar and... I just like the people that, as soon as these restrictions started taking place, and they're like, well, you got to serve food. And they just started handing out, everybody comes in the door, you get one bag of airline peanuts or something. And they're like, say, we're serving food, selling booze. All right. Right, right. Or like, oh, you can only serve outdoors. So you just put like a canopy up and it's like, all right, now we're serving outdoors. Just cram everybody in. And to be fair, they should have given a lot of these businesses more options to install ventilation systems that could recirculate the air better i don't know yeah there there used to be blue laws in indiana they got revised i don't know 10 15 years ago but the a bar could only be open on sunday if it served food so if, if basically if it was a restaurant and not really a bar, bar right yeah and there was a bar here in our hometown that the way they got around that is they just offered hot pockets <laughs> and i want to say campbell's soup <laughs> and other things basically things they could just keep in the back that would never go bad yeah and they were also priced like ridiculous it was like a yeah. 28 dollar hot pocket <laughs> and like a 50 dollar bowl of soup and they'd get mad at you if you asked <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Guys, we're going to move on to our indecorous deep dive of the night. We build this podcast as an educational comedy podcast. We often fall short of the latter, but we always deliver on the former. This week, we will be talking about indecorous facts from the Victorian era. So we owe much of our tradition today to the Victorian era, but not everything from the late 1800s would play well today. Here is a look at some of the most indecorous facts from the Victorian era. Ian wrote this. And that's how I know that we owe much of our tradition today to the Victorian era, because I honestly (laughs) did not know this. But that's why I do this podcast, is so I can learn. Bobby, you can do this first one. I feel like most things from the late 1800s wouldn't play well today. (laughs) Yeah, there's quite a few. (laughs) Victorians were fans of body modification, and many women chased after an hourglass figure with an impossibly tiny waist. The practice known as tight lacing with super snug corsets left some women barely able to breathe. Many women died in pursuit of this, quote, perfect figure. Is this a thing that they would actually, was it forced on them or was it just like you're expected to do this? Well, I think society forced it on Carlos. It's the same difference, right? You know, if you see the neighbors doing it and all the little sexy magazines are like, you got to look like this if you want to get an attractive, wealthy husband. And yeah, it's pretty much the same difference. Oh, yes. All those magazines in the 1800s, all those sexy (laughs) 
Yeah, 1800s Vogue. Vogue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but wasn't it like the 30s and 40s or whatever? I mean, all the girls and calendars and stuff had some meat on the bones. So, I mean, is this whole body image thing just cyclical? <laughs> it totally guess, is. They yeah, go from anorexic so. to like embracing the BBWs, back to anorexia. It's like a 20 or 50 year cycle. Well, okay. I think this one is kind of like the compromise is like, all right, we want you fat at the top and bottom, but skinny in the middle. It's just just whatever we can invent to make it more complicated on women. That's what we're trying to fucking do. Yeah. I imagine it can't be good for your fucking health to punch yourself up like Wait, that. Right? No, dude, bitches were dying right and left, yo. I mean, it was, uh, it was a crazy time. Do, hold on. Do we have some stats on the deaths? I mean, this, this uh, many women died. I need to see some stats on that. Yeah, yeah. Bobby's very skeptical. Bobby does not believe that women have ever been hurt. <laughs> I, I don't know if they would have died from this particular type of gutty work contracting gizmo they used to wear, or if it would just say, died by not making the husband happy enough. I mean, stats were probably reported a variety of different ways. Died from disappointing her husband? <laughs> All right, Ian, Jesus. you can do this next one. Many Victorian mourning practices seem quite strange to us today. For example, when a person died, mourners would often clip off a piece of their hair and preserve it in a jewelry piece to remember them. People were also a lot less shy about taking pictures of their dead family members. Babies and kids died at a rate 10 times higher than today, so it was very common for people to have lots of family pictures of their living family hanging out with dead kids. These <laughs> post-mortem photos were creepy as fuck. And in most cases, they would try to make their relatives actually look like they were still alive, either by forcibly propping them up or presenting them as if they were still sleeping. <laughs> Sunglasses, Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can see the strings coming out of their limbs and shit. This is funny because I actually, one of my friends took a family picture with their baby, but the, and the baby was asleep. And it looked like it was dead. Like, and that, that's what I was going like as a joke. I was saying, like, this just looks like your kid died, but you had already paid for the family pictures. <laughs> you still brought the baby <laughs> over. But then this is like exactly that. You're just like, oh, we have a dead baby. We got, you know, we got to take a picture of that shit. So the inside scoop here is that kids in particular died at such an alarmingly high rate that people were just used to having all these dead kids and they didn't get pictures often. So what would happen is once or twice a year, photographer would come over and if they had a kid that recently died they'd just be like okay before we bury little johnny let's set him up and recently died they just pull him out of the ice box and they're like all right the <laughs> photographers rolled into town now we can get a picture of them <laughs> yeah exactly right. yeah you gotta preserve them and the <laughs> thing that was the best about this is they always posed them as if they were still alive they just put them in like everyday fashion and propped them up and shit and use all these gizmos to make them look like they're just hanging out with the family See I, see, I think that's a missed opportunity because if the baby's already dead, you can take a picture of you just like, oh, you dropped him. Like, you know, like you take the picture <laughs> like mid-drop because it's not like you're going to kill him again. So you might as well have fun with the fucking thing. <laughs> Well, yeah. it's also, this, this was also the time when you had to have 10 or 12 kids hoping that a couple of them make it past 30. It's a baby turtles phenomenon, basically. You know, you have all these baby turtles hoping that a couple of them make it to sea. Yeah, I yeah just think exactly. If you have a dead baby, have fun with it. You know, I mean, <laughs> how often are you going to get a chance to play with a dead baby? We know with the Victorian era is like so you guys have done some research. Is this when uh, was this the start of the dead baby jokes? Was the Victorian era? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a, that was the the boom years of dead baby jokes. Like, should we have in junior high? Should we have been saying our dead baby jokes in a thick Victorian British accent? Yeah, that's era? what. Yeah. 
That's what we, that's where we went wrong. Because then it just seems classy. Yeah, that's right. You're absolutely right. All right, this next one. Crystal Palace, built in 1851 for the World's Fair in London, didn't just show off plants, animals, and luxury items from around the world. It also featured a human zoo. Visitors to the Crystal Palace were encouraged to gawk at 60 Somalis who were transported from Africa. Now, I have heard of shit like this. Yeah, they would bring, like, just uh, natives from different parts of the world and put them behind cages. And I'm going to guess that not not only were they transported from Africa, but Somalia specifically. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming they got, hopefully they got the Somalis from Africa. Yeah, people think we're civilized, but this is like less than 200 years ago where we're gawking at people from other races as if they're animals. I mean, this is crazy. Yeah, that is fucking insane, dude. I agree. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I like how we're all like not gonna make a joke about this one. Like dead babies, we're all gonna go ham as many jokes as we can cram in there. This one we're like that's terrible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh wait, wait, I got, I got, I got one that's re- very relevant. You guys will probably and cut. It, it, so, th- so this is a uh, very topical. So Kelly Loeffler, the Republican Senate candidate from Georgia, just released a new ad, and what she did in the new ad was darken the skin of her opponent, Raphael Warnock, to basically make him look darker in all of the ads. Oh my so God. this is the, the new tactic Jeez. to try to darken his skin tone and scare all the white people. So is yeah, people she, are, Is she the one that's running against the black dude? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so she's making the black... even blacker. Even blacker, yeah. So to think that 200 years ago, this is like shock and awe that we did this in the World's Fair. Well, fucking 200 years later, we still haven't cleaned up our act as much as we'd like to believe we have. Well, when you put it that way, then I guess it's good. They at least got real Somalis and then just didn't put a bunch of white people in blackface behind a cage. <laughs> that would have been offensive. So that is terrible, but it would have been kind of funny if the other campaign we come to find out was like lightning the pictures of the guy. So by the time this actually airs, <laughs> we will know the results of the Senate race. And if she wins, just know this, listeners, it's because the cunt face scared people into thinking her opponent was blacker than he really was. I mean, I can't imagine there's very many people that were like, I'll vote for him because he's not as black as some other black people. Like, how many people <laughs> yeah. is she actually turning at that point? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't know he was that black. Exactly. What kind of polling focus group did she have where the people gave them that kind of feedback? Well, he's Uncle Tom Black, but he's not, you know, the scary street black. Right. He was an acceptable amount of black. She puts, instead of that, she just puts like a large, gaudy rapper medallion on on him in the ad. Uh, I'm just picturing uh, all these other horrible scenarios that are uh, Matt, can you, Matt, can you do this next yeah. one before we get canceled? Yeah, no, but yeah. I think I think you guys are maybe misreading this. I think she just wanted to show off her Photoshop skills. Taking mic classes and she's very proud of herself. All right. Uh, during the Victorian era, most women didn't wear a lot of makeup. It was considered tacky. Instead, they chased after translucent white skin. Oh, my God. We're staying on the same topic. All right. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> women with freckles, pimples, or blotches <laughs> bought arsenic complexion wafers to clear up their skin. You know, maybe if you're blotchy, maybe this is okay. I don't know. Yeah. Um, that's right. They nibbled on arsenic advertised as perfectly harmless just to give themselves pale skin. So, basically, they would... <laughs> Try to get as close to death as possible to have the pallor of someone who had died. Yeah, that's the <laughs> irony of it. It's like they don't achieve their ultimate beauty until they're actually fucking dead. That's Plus, their ultimate form. Wouldn't the arsenic eventually make them look jaundiced? I, apparently not. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah. you're the expert, Bobby. That's more of a hepatitis thing, isn't it? Uh, yeah, hepatitis 2, I think, is jaundice. 
is a thing. Yep, that's a fun one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Valentine's Day wasn't just for lovers in the Victorian era. They also mailed insulting cards called Vinegar Valentines to their enemies. These cards were so mean that they reportedly caused some recipients to commit suicide. Over time, people became cheap-ass pussies, so this indecorous practice is all but gone today. Well, yeah, I they... mean, we still have online bullying. Yeah. Dude, we gotta bring this one back, though. I mean, fuck this showing the, the girlfriend you love her. I mean, let's go after some fucking arches on this. I mean, this is, I think this needs to be our new indecorous Valentine's tradition. I like it. I mean, yeah, let's bring it back. But I mean, who's going to go through the trouble of physically sending a card? To, do you guys even have any stamps in your house? No, even when I just need envelopes. Like, I don't even fucking have envelopes anymore. Yeah. Any kind of this shit. But I, I do think we have evolved from whatever this was to, yeah, just online bullying. Yeah. Revenge porn. That's what we have now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I, I kind of wish that we did have this because it like I feel like you'd have to take more effort and you'd have to really 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 want to uh, <laughs> to say these words to somebody to you know go down to the store pick out your vinegar Valentine card mm-hmm. you know there's like never the one that says exactly the right thing it's kind of close <laughs> but not quite you know right. uh, and then mail it like I mean the online you know just I think we replace this with the comment section on YouTube and things like <laughs> yeah. that that's that's really where it's at right there yeah well, if somebody goes through all that trouble then they're really you gotta fucking tip your hat to that yeah, yeah not, dude. not to mention imagine opening your mailbox and you have like 20 or 30 of them like it's really time for some self <laughs> Self-reflection at that point, you know? You've had a good year. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I I would like to think J.P. Morgan got a few of those back in the day. Yeah. The teacher is like, you know, make sure you bring a vinegar valentine for everybody in class. (laughs) 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 Got to think of something hateful for every single person, you know? Uh, You can do this next one. Since divorce was expensive during the Victorian period, some men simply opted to sell their wives instead. Bizarrely enough, this would often take the form of a cattle auction, as the husband would bring his wife to a market and give her away to the highest bidder. Even as late as 1901, jurist James Bryce noted, Everybody has heard of the odd habit of selling a wife, which still occasionally recurs among the humbler classes in England. This can't be true. Yeah, and plus I don't I mean, like that they use the word habit. I mean, I've heard of the term cattle call, so maybe this has some uh, correlation to that. Oh, I think that just literally means... When they're calling cattle, right? <laughs> I, think, I think cattle call comes from the fact that they used to call dancers hoofers or whatever. Like they would hoof around. I might be making this up. I don't know. <laughs> okay. now, I now like we're it. Just I like it. Keep... it. Yeah. But like, has, like this is what I'm learning is none of us have seen a chorus line. We act like we're woke, gender neutral fellas, but none of us have seen chorus line. It's all falling apart. I know. I have no, no. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't even know why this is more viable than just getting a divorce yeah well i guess you make money on the deal if you sell your wife yeah, dude. as opposed to and she just exactly. goes on and she's supposed to just go along with it i, guess. I mean can't you just give her more arsenic wafers i mean like <laughs> that seems like that would be the cheaper route <laughs> yeah this must have been when the arsenic prices really shot up <laughs> yeah not to mention like who's at that auction like, hey, I mean, this one's clearly defective if he's getting rid of it. But. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
right, so there's a, what's a garden without a gnome or hermit? Wealthy Victorians didn't want to leave their grounds empty, so they hired real-life humans to serve as ornamental garden hermits on their property. Good the Somalis had something to do after the fair was over. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> Jesus yeah, Christ. Right. <laughs> on the off season. This has inspired me to create a time machine just to go back and kick some Victorian ass. Just <laughs> Yeah, no shit, right? Oh, well, and also like Georgia runoff ass too. So like I guess we're not <laughs> I, I thought you were gonna say like buy some wives. Yeah. <laughs> See, you're a lot more honorable than I am because I was thinking I want to go back in time and get into the arsenic business. <laughs> <laughs> So when Charles Hamilton posted an ad in the paper to hire a garden hermit, he explained, quote, he shall be provided with a Bible, optical glasses, a mat for his feet, a hassock for his pillow, an hourglass for timepiece, water for his beverage, and food from the house. He must wear a camlet robe, and never under any circumstances must he cut his hair, beard, or nails, stray beyond the limits of Mr. Hamilton's grounds, or exchange one word with the servant. Craigslist was fucking weird back then, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> so this is basically like a real-life garden gnome. So, you know, these little novelty things you put on the on the porches or inside your yard. Basically, they wanted they wanted real-life... They, they took homeless people and gave them a job as a real-life fucking garden gnome. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, so that's a that's just a flex on how wealthy they were, right? Yes, like, that's yes. just... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. In that case, I'm fairly certain, like, Kanye is doing that right now. <laughs> <laughs> People who went to his church services at Coachella, that's what they're doing now. That's where they ended up. <laughs> yeah, if this was still legal, people would definitely be doing it today. It's probably, it is legal. What, you're just paying a dude to do something weird thing in your yard? It's, I mean, it sounds like we're, it sounds like these people weren't really allowed to leave, though, yeah, right? Yeah, like indentured I mean, servitude. Indentured servitude with very strict rules. You're pretty much a slave at that point. Yeah. No, man, you can just, like, it's an ad in the paper. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, like, when you quit the job, you can leave, you know? Yeah, like, it, uh, it does say it does say hire, so you're yeah, hiring yeah. somebody. So you're coming so out... it's, like, more like a military. Just so we're clear, you're coming out as pro-human gnome, right? <laughs> I, if you are gnome-like and you need a job, <laughs> and there's somebody willing to hire you to be their gnome, and you're cool with it, like, yeah, I'm down with consent. Consensual gnome relationship. Consensual gnoming. <laughs> Pro-capitalism all the way. Yeah, yeah, you didn't make it. You didn't make the final cut at the auditions for Crystal Palace Somali. Yeah, this is all you can do now, man. You got to make a fucking living. So how, you got to make exactly. How, how else are you going to get a Bible? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm down for consensual gnoming. Uh, <laughs> pro nomo. All right. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like comedy to an extent, you know. You exactly. Know, like drink and some food. Yeah. <laughs> it's like also the gnome will have to pick up the headliner and. <laughs> 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 Give him a ride from the hotel. Give him a ride from the hotel. The gnome will not be reimbursed for his. <laughs> and please do not do any crowd work in front of the. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, you can finish us off with this last one here, Matt. It's one of the things that we've learned already is that Victorians were willing to die for fashion, literally. The crinoline dresses, popular from the 1850s to about 1870, were incredibly flammable during the height of crinoline fashion. And an estimated 3,000 women died when the dresses caught on fire. 3,000. God damn. Uh, it was also very common for women to wear bird corpses, live beetles, and dead butterflies. Just, you know, every woman in the Victorian era was Bjork. All right. Uh, <laughs> 
Around 1880, at the peak of insect fashion, these dazzling dames almost pushed entire species of insects to extinction due to the fashion craze. Oh my God. Like, excuse me, darling, is that a dodo around your neck? It's the dodo. It's the last one. This neck, I snapped it myself. I mean, I would not be comfortable in any kind of clothing made from dead insects. I don't know how this ever became popular. Well, when you combine it with flammable dresses, that's what really made it popular. Yeah, that was just the alternative. You're like, well, at least these beetles aren't going to catch fire, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so everyone shits on women's vanity these days. But back in the day, it was straight killing people from flammable dresses and causing certain species to almost go extinct. I mean, we'd really, we kind of do that. I mean, I guess this has been going on for, throughout the history of civilization. But there's like species on the endangered list now because of... Their bones get men's dicks hard in China or some shit like that. You know what I mean? I mean, dude, I feel that point. But I also think that if your species is so weak that you can become extinct by just making a vain fucking woman look a little prettier. And that's what's going to be the reasoning for your demise. Then, bro, you're weak. You know, Darwin's basically trying to get you out the door. Are you blaming the species? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's yeah Jesus. I don't, know. I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> Victim show yeah. here. Yeah, no shit. Hey, it's like, what's up, bro, species? You're not strong enough for this shit? Fuck you. Evolve, bro. Yeah, it's like, do you even lift species? What's up? <laughs> I'm shaming weaker species. Uh, I also, uh, the <laughs> Carlos, the way you said that one sentence, I thought that you meant that some men get erect when they just see a pile of certain animal bones. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm sure that's also the case, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, that one guy had a couple of videos of it in his collection, which yeah, now have been lost. Talking. That's why he was so pissed, because they sold them, yeah. Yeah, Genghis <laughs> Khan, definitely. <laughs> what was that? But what is it? Like, I always say rhino horn, because that's just what I default to. I mean, is there other shit? That... Blue Chew. Yeah, Blue Chew. <laughs> From the Blue Chew monkey or something? Is that yeah, where you exactly. got that shit? <laughs> well, that, that's, they just gave it a cutesy name. It's, it's like ground monkey brains or something. Probably. It's ground monkey brains that get you hard. <laughs> yeah, and they just call it, yeah, it's called Blue Chew. Yeah, that's the worst thing that could happen to an animal is some culture somewhere in the world getting the illusion that it can get men's dick hard. Then that's the end of the species. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think some species that are prey of that first species spread that rumor? Yeah. <laughs> yes. They're like, we got to get rid of these predators. I know how. <laughs> uh, yes. I mentioned something like that just on like our episode a couple of weeks ago where fucking everybody's worried about the polar bears dying from a global warming. But you know who doesn't give a fuck is the seals. The seals. Yeah. yeah it's like fucking these bears have been killing us for a long time. Are you really defending those rapist seals again? All oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the rapist seals are fucking up the penguins. So yeah. The penguins are oh, maybe yeah. It's, yeah. It's the circle of life, I guess. <laughs> All right. Time for our last segment, everybody. Every week or whatever we feel like it, we highlight some of the oddest laws in different states of the United States. Most of these were real laws, at least at some point. Some of them have since been repealed, and others are sadly still on the books. One of them is unverified. This week we are doing indecorous laws from Nevada. And Bobby, you can do this first one. It is illegal to purposefully impon or disembark from a chairlift, except at an area designated for such a purpose. Toss, throw, or cast, or intentionally drop, expel, or eject an object from a chairlift, and toss, throw, or cast an object in the direction of a chairlift. Is this something that happens very... I, I'll admit to you guys, I've never been skiing in my life. Is this a thing that is very common 
wars between people that are on chairlifts and not on chairlifts? I don't know. I've never been skiing either. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, th I thought I was the unicorn here. I was like, I, I thought everybody I've had only been, been skiing except for me. I've only been twice and I was thrown off of a, a ski lift. Really? You got knocked in the fucking head with something and you no, no. never come back? <laughs> like the, so, okay. Like I said, I had only been skiing twice. This was the second time. The first place when you get off the ski lift, it's at like a flat part. You know, so you get to kind of get your bearings and then decide to go down the hill. And then this other place, they just drop you off and you're already uh, <laughs> on an incline. So. Holy shit. I didn't know they did that. Yeah. So I like I, I panicked at the last second. And then if you look at the track on those things, it like has a it just hits a really sharp curve because they're not expecting a fucking idiot to still be on the chair. <laughs> and it just tossed me off. <laughs> Wow, I, that's awesome. Yeah, and I came close. There were these this barricade thing where they had just taken like pieces of rebar that were just sticking up out of the ground with that orange construction zone type of uh, fencing on it. And, and then, I, and, wow. And, yeah, and I, I was like, I landed like a foot or so from one of those that, uh, you know, I would like to think could have impaled me. And that somehow left a sour taste in your mouth? <laughs> yeah, well, I haven't been skiing since, and uh, that, I was I was 12 at the time. Well, yeah, good and news, it is Bobby. very expensive. Somebody else paid for it. So. so good news, Bobby. They invented a law just for you. Yeah. yeah I I'm, in, I'm so, in favor yeah. of this law, goddammit. Yeah, apparently. Ian, you've been skiing. Have you ever run into problems like this? Yeah, I mean, little kids using a slingshot to shoot at people on the chairlifts, and people on the chairlifts throwing rocks at you. Know, it's a big thing. Everyone does it. Everybody does it. It sounds like if there was a version. Did you guys ever watch that movie? We talked about it on the podcast once about the action park in New Jersey. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I haven't. Do you know what we're talking about, Matt? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge Chris Gethard fan, so I am, a, I am aware of that documentary. I've not seen it yet, though. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention. Yeah, he's in that, and it's just people getting injured left and right, but it's a water park. So this just sounds like what would happen if it was a snow park. It was just like, yep. yeah, people just fucking, <laughs> you get a free teddy bear if you knock somebody off the ski lift at some point. Uh, you know the difference between a water park and a snow park? What's that? Latitude. See, I can bring it back around. Boom. It's too bad that we lost about 80% of our audience after that latitude question. Otherwise, <laughs> they would have gotten some fucking gold. That's why you got to stay for the callbacks, people. All right, I'll do this next law. In Reno, Nevada, it's illegal to sit down or lie down on a public sidewalk. No person shall sit or lie down upon a public sidewalk or upon a blanket, chair, stool, or any other object placed upon a public sidewalk in the downtown Reno Regional Center. This is obviously yeah, no homeless yeah. people. Yeah. So what are the homeless people? So just don't be homeless in Reno. Actually, I think it's funny that this is illegal, but you know what? It doesn't say anything about just the middle of the street. Oh, yeah. That's the yeah. hack. So if you're homeless, your home is now the street where the cars are. Right. Exactly. You're just... <laughs> You just have to be dodging homeless people. <laughs> they could have just trimmed this little sentence down to one phrase, fuck the homeless. Same difference. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's what, like, we, didn't we do an episode about how different cities were trying to fuck with the homeless? Try to yes. get them. Yeah. 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 Because, I mean, right now there's this debate about how do you deal with a problem? And some cities are doing um, aggressive horticulture and hostile oh, architecture. Right. 
and they're just trying to fucking play like what's that horrible song from yeah, that well, movie? Yeah, yeah, I remember that part. It was like they were trying to play oh, baby, baby shark, shark right? Try, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just at full blast to get the homeless people. They're taking their cat naps in the middle of these beautiful city parks. So here come the big speakers and baby shark, and the homeless people scurry because they can't take their cat naps. And then they try <laughs> yeah. to go to a place where they, there's like a bush they can lay under, but then they cut down all the trees and make them like to where there's no shadow. So they don't have any escape from the sun. That, yeah, that the whole baby shark thing never made any sense to me because rich people can still hear baby shark. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and then also, like, this is classic cutting your nose off to spite your face. Like, all of their solutions are also just ruining the parks for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's such a, uh, that's such a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, they should have just thought to make it illegal. Illegal to be homeless? <laughs> just outlaw homelessness. <laughs> yeah. yeah, hey, hey, look, take them to jail, then now they got a home, right? I mean, we're all getting $600 stimulus checks. There's no excuse to be homeless. Exactly. That's right. It's almost like it would be less expensive to just house these people. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't know if these people, we should just hand out bootstraps to all these homeless people. You know? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> like, that's the problem is they just don't have any bootstraps. Because they're all about pulling them up. I need something to pull up. Yeah. Pull up. Yeah. Uh, Ian, you can do the next one. All right, so you can't use an x-ray machine to determine a person's shoe size in Nevada. So is this like a lady doctor trying to reverse engineer her patient's penis size by trying to like measure the guy's feet or some shit? Or what's going on here exactly? Good Lord. I always like your takes on these things because that's <laughs> not where I've ever, I've ever... In a million years, I don't think I would have come up to that conclusion. But this is why we have you on the podcast, Ian. <laughs> I'm taking wild guesses. <laughs> but what the fuck is this even about? Apparently, what it actually is about is that there was a machine that was invented at one point that would x-ray people's feet to determine their shoe sizes. Dude, and Foot Locker would still be using it to this day. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> Just to keep people from bitching about poorly sized shoes. And people would be using them because they're staffed by referees. It's true, yeah. <laughs> they referees come, can't be yeah. wrong. They command a lot of authority. They ruled it's fair. <laughs> can't blow a whistle on radiation. This is actually where uh, Zappos got their name. <laughs> just and what's a little foot cancer to get a perfect fit yeah yeah to get that snuggly feeling in your feet yeah ask bob morley <laughs> all right matt you can do this next one in Nyela, nevada a man may not buy drinks for more than three other people at any one period of the day this feels like the beginning of a riddle it's like <laughs> <laughs> so how many people can he buy drinks for uh, twice a day or no, whatever. And, yeah, know. and how long is a period? Yeah, yeah. Well, how long is one period? How long are two periods? This would just seem like, I mean, honestly, like I, when I get drunk, I start buying drinks, but this would be the place I would go to just to not get out of hand sort of thing. I'm not fucking rich. Or if you're like a, a rich person that is very cheap. Yeah. This is where you take people. You're like, ah, yeah. I'd love to buy everybody a drink, <laughs> but you know. The law. The law. See, see I, I was thinking about this more from a booze hounds perspective where it's like, look, I'm going to go ahead and buy three before I get cut off. You know, that way I've already got them. <laughs> and then, now they got to take them from me. But it's other people. Yeah, exactly. But well, it's buying them for other people. So yeah, like I think this is the same sort of law in that way that you can't use a credit card to buy lottery tickets. Uh, this is like a protect us from ourselves law. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some guy was being led away in handcuffs. Going, yeah, it's for my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very generous. Yeah. <laughs> 
I don't know if this is related at all, but I do remember once I went to a bar when I was living in Atlanta at Star Bar, actually, where they had the open mic there. I don't know if they still do. They do. But they still do? Okay. They're doing it virtually now, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. I had no idea. Well, when I first moved to Atlanta, I would go there every week, and every now and again, I would show up early. Not often, but every once in a while. And if I got there, like, as soon as they opened the doors, this happened one time, I was going to buy a pitcher. Just, I knew I was going to drink that much. So I was going to be like, instead of buying like four or five individual PBRs, let me just get a pitcher. And I asked for the pitcher and the bartender was like, I can't, somebody else has to walk through the door first before I can sell you a pitcher. Like there's some, apparently there's some sort of law where if you're by yourself, you can't buy a pitcher. Huh. Yeah. I don't know if that's, I'm assuming it must be something like this. But yeah, it's like as soon as somebody else walks in, then at least you can say like, oh, no, it's you too. Yeah. Because I got to yeah. give you two cups or some shit. That's interesting. There are a, a number of places like that. There's a, a pizza place in Asheville where you can't buy, I think, more than five beers there like all day long, like in a single really? day. Yeah. You can't. And if you I think if you work at the place, even if you're off work, I think it's four. I love to see the guy that's so committed to that fucking place that he buys five and then comes back with a mustache. <laughs> an ironic and mustache, Carlos. Yeah, an ironic mustache, yeah, which they have plenty of in F fucking Asheville. I'll do this last one. Bar owners must boil soup and sell beer simultaneously. Ew. Unnecessary. This sounds like uh, some bullshit Victorian law. <laughs> like they had to get rid of botulism. <laughs> a lot of people selling beer and unboiled soup. It was a yeah. fucking problem yeah. in Nevada. Just a thick layer of botulism on top. Yeah, this might be the first time I've done this since I've been doing this segment. I'll go ahead and tell you guys, this is the one that I'd never verified. I don't, it doesn't <laughs> sound, I didn't have the time. And also, I can't imagine this is, a, bar owners must boil soup and sell beer simultaneously. It doesn't make any kind of sense to me, but it sounds funny. So I put it in there. That doesn't, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. that. Exactly. Like, I don't, <laughs> if you could do this, boil soup and sell beer simultaneously, that's a Cirque du Soleil show, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. he's got, like, a hot plate right there on the bar. He's stirring the soup with one hand. He's pouring you a beer with the other one. That's yeah. Just, uh, this is an <laughs> impressive bartender. Yeah, it's a whole gimmick. This is cocktail part two, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. That's the podcast. We reached the end of the podcast. We did it, guys. That was, that was yeah. an obscure reference to cocktail, by the way. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah I didn't, I didn't even movie. get the reference, but I laughed all the same. Thank you. That's why we have you here, by the way. <laughs> Please edit in uh, the song Kokomo by the Beach Boys. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's what we're going to say. Further drive in the point. <laughs> Great fucking song. Terrible fucking movie. <laughs> Matt, thank you so much for doing the podcast, dude. It's fun, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. What's the status of the Limestone Fest? Well, first of all, just tell what people what the Limestone okay, Fest Okay, so the Limestone Comedy Festival is a comedy festival that I'm the co-founder of with uh, Jerry Thompson, the owner of the Comedy Attic. Uh, it's been around for... Uh, last year would have been our eighth year, but obviously we had to cancel like every other festival because of the pandemic. Um, and uh, we have started having meetings talking about next year. It is... One of those things where we haven't announced dates, we're probably going to give it a go in with hoping that vaccination rolls out. You know, we've got some time also from when our festival is normally scheduled. It's a maybe, pro it's a pro it's a yes question mark. Okay. It's like, yes? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's, that's the status of it. Like, obviously, safety first, if we get 
too far into the year and you know the government is still just fucking bungling the vaccinations or it's not working because too many americans are fucking stupid and don't want to get the vaccinations then we will pull the plug again because it's in a pandemic you can't you can't do it yeah yeah i I mean and i imagine it's gotta be i mean because a festival is not something that you can just be like all right, you wake up on Friday. Let's do the festival on Saturday. You got to right, plan exactly. that shit ahead and submissions and all that. Well, I appreciate you doing it. Well, do you have any social media, man, you want to plug? No, man, I'm getting off all that shit, remember? No, that's right. <laughs> Fucking, I was trying Zuckerberg asked me. I'm programmed oh, okay. to ask that to everybody. Sure, yeah. Uh, <laughs> or I lose all my credentials on every sign-up I have. Like, I, can't, yeah. I signed up to OnlyFans through my Facebook, so that's the only way I can get through it now. Yeah, if you, <laughs> by the way, like I've heard that your OnlyFans is doing great, Carlos. Congratulations Thank on you. that. Appreciate Carlos after dark. I think we all knew that you would show whole one day, and uh, I'm glad you're just able to make money on it. So that's good. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. I've been mentioning OnlyFans for 17 podcasts. You're the first one to acknowledge it. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> yeah. So, man, I appreciate you guys having me on, and hope you guys have a good 2021. Absolutely, hey, man. Thank, Take care, buddy. Thanks for doing it, I man. Get you, that bro. was a lot of fun. All right. I appreciate it. Bye. Thanks, man. Bobby, you have any last words? <sighs> Awesome. Awesome. Yep. I like it. Even in the New Year's, you still have the same <laughs> attitude. Ian, any last words? I, I wanted to fill you guys in on what happened to me last week, because I'm sure that you guys speculated about why I was absent. So um, nah, I was going to well, fill everybody in. Well, I mean, we were pretty sure it was you and the masturbating neighbor. It was it not? Close, Carlos, but no cigarette. It was my birthday, and being as such, I was gifted the birthday sex, the annual birthday sex, which is very special. By who? Well, I mean, you know. (laughs) By the neighbor? Uh, Yeah, finally. (laughs) Forcibly. Finally. (laughs) Finally, he accepted my invitation, the three-way dance I've always wanted. So basically, uh, every good boy once a year gets birthday sex of unspeakable fun times and other ungodly things, but I had a tough decision. It was either... Do the podcast with you lads, or go have the birthday sex, and, uh, and we know how that battle ended. And you took a, you took that opportunity to point out the uh, last pound she needed to lose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, you gotta you gotta shame them right during the climax because that's whenever you have the best orgasm of your life when you feel their guilt and their sadness just sucking from within their soul. Yeah, Ian said he was expecting birthday sex and not fat birthday sex. <laughs> yeah, which you get on top of you and you start screaming and shit like, ah, I can feel my hips cracking. <laughs> it's basically the one, the one opportunity you get to just be horribly mean and cruel and she'll just have to take it. And then you can say things that were you were, you were holding back all year. Finally, some truth will kind of bleed out in the pillow talk. You know, well, man, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going to come out. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you were going to come out. I'm not going to stop you from coming out. Yeah, I think Bobby had the hot ammunition ready to fire there. <laughs> no, I was going to say, it doesn't sound like the healthiest relationship, but you should just go ahead and stop it at the, uh, I'm going to go ahead and come out part and then leave the fans guessing. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave a cliffhanger of what kind of fun, depraved shenanigans I got into exactly, but I missed the podcast for the birthday six. Well, I didn't know. I mean, I honestly didn't know that was why you had to miss the podcast, dude. But if that ever happens again, we can just do the podcast at the same time, bro. Yeah. Well, and that that also... Don't let that stop you. That also sounds like the kind of excuse a closeted individual would use. Like, oh, no, I couldn't do it because I was having sex with a lady. (laughs) Yeah. You got the squeaky voice when you say, with a lady. No, but for real, though, bro, you got a boom mic and shit. Just fucking... uh, 
live stream that shit next time. Live stream that shit, yeah, dude. Might as we'll well. do it at least for the Patreon supporters. <laughs> Got to give some go. nuggets for the Patreon supporters. All right, that's the podcast, everybody. Thanks for listening. Check us out online, facebook.com, at Indecorous Comedy. Same with Instagram, Twitter, at Indecorous Pod. TikTok, at Indecorous Comedy. Are we still on TikTok, or have we been kicked out for being too old yet? Nah, bro, we're still good. <laughs> Getting about 100, 150 views per video, so our existing social media fans... Check us out on TikTok. Share our shit, like our shit. Help spread the word so we get a little bit of a following there with those teeny buffers. That's right. And our Patreon's still up there. Patreon.com slash Comedy. If you want to support the podcast with some cash, we appreciate each and every single one of you for keeping us going. And most importantly of all, this doesn't cost a single penny, is tell your friends. Tell your friends to check out the podcast if you enjoy the podcast. Everybody uses different podcast listening apps, but you can just... Go to our main website and listen from there if you want at indecorouscomedy.com. And how do you spell indecorous, Bobby? That's I-N-D-E-C-O-R-O-U-S. I-N-D-E-C-O. All right, that last one got cut off on my end. Did it get cut off on your end, Ian? Yeah, it did. But... Yeah, but I think people got the first half, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, they got the first or, half. Or just go to I-N-D-C-O. Let's see what, that, see what happens. See what happens. <laughs> fuck or, fuck yeah. around and see what happens. Yeah, go to the Indiana Chorus. Yes, right. <laughs> All right. Walk your cat. Walk your Walk cat. Walk your cat. Bitches were dying right and left, yo.